This is C.C. Michael, host of All Things Alberta, the podcast that knows that Alberta will be better off on our own, and we really don't care what people east of Saskatchewan thinks about it. Let's get after it. Welcome to another show, CC Michael show on the All Things Alberta Network. This is take two. Uh, one of the things you always try to do before you uh, start a show is to make sure that uh, anything embarrassing behind you. By the way, do you like my do you like my bookshelves? I cleaned them up a bit, uh, so it doesn't look like a dog's breakfast back there anymore. You can kind of tell. Over here, it's still a bit of a dog's breakfast. I'll have to work on that part. But anyway, uh, long and the short is, I happened to start the show. I was 25 minutes in when I realized uh, that I was wearing some apparel that uh, is work-related. And uh, work really frowns on on uh, anyone on social media wearing their stuff. As I have found out, uh, I used to have on my, on my Facebook page, um, I don't know, avatar, whatever it is. It's the small one that shows up. And I had a picture and, and you could barely see that it was, it was even a person. It was almost a silhouette uh, because it, it was, the picture was taken in the shade and, and the sun was behind. Uh, it was a nice sunny day in California. And uh, I was, I was holding a, I don't know, AR 15 or something. It was an, a scary assault rifle that uh, Trudeau is now banned in, in Canada for some strange reason. However, um, that's all it was. And I, and I got a phone call from, from a uh, union rep that was saying that uh, I had to take down that picture. Uh, and, and I couldn't understand why, like you had to actually click on the picture and expand it to see what, what I was wearing. I was wearing a belt buckle and I was wearing a, a shirt that had a logo on it. But um, what's funny is is the picture was taken a number of years ago. Uh, both of those things, the, the shirt was never uh, part of our part of our uniform or part of our uh, um, identifiers. Like we weren't allowed to wear that at work. And uh, even the belt buckle I was wearing is uh, is no longer uh, issue. You can't get them anymore. And so, but even then, we weren't allowed to. Uh, they called and said basically I had to take that picture down. Uh, because it was me holding a rifle uh, with with uh, the company logo on it, and uh, so that was a big no-no. Anyway, I was 25 minutes in when I looked down and realized I was wearing some uh, company apparel, and so here we are starting again. And so uh, welcome to the show. Hopefully, the uh, maybe it'll, the take two will be better than the first time. What are we talking about today? We're talking about, uh, we're going to briefly talk COVID that was going to transition to the great reset. And I'm going to end the show with uh, college football. And so uh, what does one have to do with the other? Uh, nothing outside maybe the absurdity of our world today. So with that, want to play a brief news article from CTV. This is Calgary, CTV Calgary. Uh, I'm going to play, uh, apparently, Premier Kenny's in hot water. Surprise, surprise. Let's have a listen. Upper Northeast Calgary is seeing a large number of active cases right now. Some who call those neighborhoods home say instead of helping them, Kenny's blaming them. Jordan Canigan explains. I'm calling your program with a wake-up call. We, we must, must have people understand the new law. Alberta's Premier took to the airwaves last week to speak about the importance of following proper health measures amid rising cases. The largest spread in the province is in northeast Calgary uh, and we see a very high level of, of a spread of COVID-19 in the South Asian community. Uh, I don't say that uh, to, to blame or target anyone. But some say blaming is exactly what Jason Kenney is doing. Surprise, surprise. Um, Kenny can come right out and say, I'm not pointing the finger and blaming, but it is one of those things where a law has been passed and uh, we, sti we still see massive spread, highest in the province, uh, in Northeast Calgary, uh, particularly amongst the Southeast Asian community. And 
um, he was calling the show, which is in southeast, or sorry, not southeast, northeast Calgary, from my from what I could tell. Uh, a high amount of uh, Southeast Asian uh, listenership, basically just trying to remind them, look, we need to be careful, we need to abide by the law, and uh, we need to stop the spread of COVID. And of course, this is the opportunity uh, where where people, opportunists, I'll call them, get to come out and uh, point the finger at Kenny, calling him a racist and, and everything else. In fact, one group has already said that uh, they are expecting uh, Premier Kenny to come out and actually uh, apologize for his pointing out the, uh, the Southeast Asian community in Northeast Calgary. Um, it's, this is ridiculous on a number of levels. Uh, first of all, why is it bad to point out um, facts? This is something that's been going on for a number of years now, at least five years. Uh, the left's narrative of of uh, pointing at every single fact out there and getting their feelings hurt over that and blaming people for uh, everything from bigamy and misogynists and racists and Islamophobes and you name it. Uh, they throw out these these names or accusations uh, when you're simply pointing out facts. Uh, Kenny here just simply pointed out facts and he wants to uh, nip this COVID-19 thing in the bud uh, in Northeast Calgary. This is a loving thing, people. Trying to warn people going, you know what, uh, we're, we're seeing a, a certain demographic in which the virus is spreading quickly. We want you to be safe uh, and healthy. And so therefore I'm trying to remind you that there is a law in place uh, whether whether the law works or not, or is legal or not, or whatever your opinion is on the law, is beside the point. He's calling people in order to uh, remind them of the law and that they need to take greater care in in not passing on COVID nineteen. And of course, uh, people jump all over him for it, which is most unfortunate. And so this is another, what do I want to say about that? Um, I, I have a lot of respect for the Southeast Asian community. I think they do a lot of things right. Uh, oftentimes uh, much better than I think, uh, I don't want to use the term white culture because I, I think that's a ridiculous term. Uh, but something that has been, well, I'll tell you the, the short story. Back when I was in elementary school, I had a uh, friend. He was uh, he was an immigrant from where was not Zambia, Tanzania, Tanzania. A very good friend of mine. He was my elementary school best friend for three years, and uh, but he was from Tanzania. And I remember going to his house once. He lived in an apartment, in an apartment building right across the road from where I lived, and. Um, he invited me over and so after school we went over to his place and I commented on how jam-packed like his, his apartment was absolutely full of people like uh, it, it just felt very crammed to me it felt very I like sardine like they're crammed in like sardines and and I, I brought that to his attention and and I'll never forget what he said and this is this was 40 years ago man like and I still remember it he said, you know what, you, you know what, you're, what did he say? You white people have a problem. And I said, what problem is that? And he said, you white people are so individually minded that uh, you can't, I'm getting it wrong now. Now I'm, now I'm going to be, to be, uh, I'm paraphrasing. Basically, he said, you, you white people are stupid. You're so keen on doing everything by yourself. You're so individualistic in your thinking that um, you're always going to be behind. He says, you watch. My family will own this entire apartment complex one day. Why? Because we're willing to live together now and uh, be crammed now, but we will own this apartment building. And... As far as I know, I, I don't know if they ever did, but but it was that mentality where they made sacrifices early and they crammed everybody in and they all shared in the money and they all shared in the resources in order to advance their families. 
their family structure. They're very family oriented from what I can see. And it's, it's very commendable of them. And so it's, it comes as really no surprise that in those sorts of cultures where family is that important, um, that especially if it's true that it seems to be family gatherings or household gatherings that are causing the spread of the virus more than anywhere else, that uh, cultures that are close-knit communities, close-knit families, are probably going to have the highest rate of, of uh, spread. It's not brain surgery. You can figure that out. Any idiot can figure that out. So the idea that, that uh, Jason Kenney owes an apology for pointing that out is, uh, is just silly. Regardless of, of what you think of Jason Kenney, regardless of what you think of, of the draconian laws he passed with regards to immediate family only and the rest of that, he's just being consistent in his, in his care for the spread of the virus, and he doesn't want people of Southeast Asian uh, descent to uh, get it any more than anyone else. So give the guy a break. Speaking of COVID-19 restrictions, this is a story uh, in the Calgary Herald from this morning. Bill Kaufman is the uh, author. Sounds like crackdowns are going to come. Strict enforcement of COVID-19 laws, now the reality, say city officials. Uh, the time for education has passed, and those who flagrantly are violating order, orders will be ticketed, said City Police Superintendent Ryan Ayla. I think I said that right. Uh, the picture depicted here is uh, of the, uh, what is this, the Freedom Walk for Freedom March at City Hall in Calgary on Saturday, November 21st. It sounds like there's there was either one in Canmore or there's another one coming in Canmore soon. I know they've had similar ones in Edmonton. And and uh, when you look at the picture, they're holding their signs. Um, Nobody is masked up. No one is social distancing. This in itself would, would uh, bother many, many people that I know, um, and including some family members. They look at this and they think they're all bloody crazy. Uh, Corey Morgan was actually there, and he, uh, he briefly uh, reported on it. Uh, he did, in fact, agree that uh, some of the people standing up and talking uh, were essentially crazy people. Um, you're always going to get crazy people. However, um, you, you can't ignore those that are rational and reasonable just because they're sprinkled in with a few, a few crazies, right? And so um, we have lockdowns in place, and the numbers are rising, and yet there's people that are... Kicking, kicking back, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. They're, they're fighting back. And what I find most surprising is the number of people that don't understand why there's pushback. Um, they truly don't understand. They look at people like this and um, they have all kinds of pejorative terminology that they use to describe these people. And, and I, I, what's really funny is that these people are generally what you would call progressives, those that love the terms diversity and inclusion, that sort of thing. You're, you're inclusive as long as you think like me. Listen, what, what are the reasons why you get rational, reasonable people that, uh, that are fighting against um, these COVID restrictions? Here's my best guesses. I don't think I have to guess too hard. Number one, you can look at the picture here and say uh, this is a this is a very good sort of um, pithy statement that helps understand a guy holding a sign saying "Make Orwell fiction again," COVID nineteen eighty four. So right now, under all the all the restrictions going on and the laws that are being passed that are that are very restrictive, like when the government is telling you who you can and can't have in your own home, that's. Uh, that's unbelievably um, what I call draconian. That is a massive, massive government overstep. And and this is coming from someone who, like, I believe COVID-19 is a real thing. I'm not a COVID denier. Um, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Um, the COVID-19 vaccine makes me a little worried, but that's that's for another show maybe. But I, I, th I think of myself as a reasonable, rational, per rational person. And so, and I understand where these people are coming from. And it starts with 
the idea that the government is taking away liberties. They're taking away your freedom. And there's many people that go, yes, but it's taking away the freedom for the good of everybody. How come these people can't get that? The problem is, is that I'm guessing some of these people have read a history book. And governments have had, uh, worldwide, have had uh, horrible track records of, of instituting all kinds of taxation, all kinds of laws that are then, they're only supposed to be temporary. Do you remember this, folks? You probably don't because it's been so long. I don't remember which world war it was, but uh, it was during one of the world wars where Canada introduced a temporary income tax, a temporary income tax in order to pay for the war effort. Um, we're still paying income tax today. That that law was never repealed. That taxation law was never repealed. In fact, it just keeps going up and up and up. So something that was temporary 70 years ago is still on the books today and still getting taxed today. And we're just all used to it. This is government creep. I call it government creep, where uh, they they import a whole lot of taxation. They import a whole lot of laws, but it's only temporary. And then they repeal some of them. And then they do it again, next crisis, and then they repeal some of them. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure out that over time, government is then going to be in every aspect of your life. And uh, they are going to way over... Uh, they're stepping way over the line, but we don't know any difference. It's like the frog being boiled to death. Throw a frog in a uh, boiling pot of water, it'll hop out right away and live. Uh, you put it, a frog in a, in a uh, pot of water and slowly heat it up, um, it will die. It will stay in there and it'll get accustomed to the water temperature as the water temperature rises to the point where it dies. Everyone's heard this. And this is the sort of thing that happens in any society that doesn't have free-thinking people whether you like them or not, these are free-thinking people that say, to hell with this, um, the government is in overreach. So like them, lump them, disagree with them, that's fine. I thank them that they're there. I have a feeling I would disagree with many of the people there on, on a lot of issues, but I'm thankful for them. It's people like this that keep, keep governments worried, and I think governments need to be worried. Unmask the child, it's abuse is another sign there um i ain't afraid of no i ain't afraid of no hoax okay so there's there's somebody who believes that that the covid 19 is a hoax i'm not there i i don't believe it's a hoax um but at the same time um you want to believe it's a hoax giddy up uh i still believe that the government is overreaching uh, even even with the covid 19 thing being real i think it's an overreach uh, the masking issues. Um, I think a whole lot of people are getting upset about the masks. I get it to some degree. Uh, I still have to go shopping. My local, uh, my local town that I shop in um, requires masks. There's no place I can go that doesn't require a mask, so therefore I wear a mask. It's it's not the job. I don't believe it's the job of the uh, the the stock boy to make sure and police everyone wearing a mask so um but you sure make them nervous because the expectation is is that somebody at you know i don't know pick one safeway somebody at safeway uh should do something about these idiots not wearing a mask well that's not what they get paid to do and so um even though i'm not a big fan of the masks i don't think masks are effective um I agree with uh, I agree with the uh, virologist and pathologist doctor that that uh, that I, I I didn't talk to him but I recorded his uh, his five minute message uh, I, I agree with him I think masks are useless um, but I'm not going to make life difficult for those uh, in the businesses that are put in the inenviable position of trying to police a bylaw that they had nothing to do with so. I would encourage everybody out there, if you disagree with wearing a mask, disagree with wearing a mask. But out of respect for your fellow man, uh, when you go shopping, put your mask on and just shut up. Like, start your own blog and blog away. Say how much you hate it. Say how much, how useless it is. That's fine. But don't make life miserable for those that don't get paid to, to police this sort of stuff. It's not fair to them and you're not loving your neighbor as far as I'm concerned. Anyhow, 
What does this have to do with the Great Reset? Well, let's pull up a story. This is today. Um, Anthony Fury of the Toronto Sun has written an article. Trudeau's economic statement is all about the Great Reset. Um, we've just had a fiscal update, and it's it's atrocious. It's absolutely atrocious. Uh, we are going to be $1.4 trillion in debt by year end. And um, I don't know. Uh, you don't have to be real strong at math to be able to punch that into a calculator and then divide it by $36 million and figure out what each man, woman, and child in the country owes for that debt. I'm not even sure what we're getting out of it. And then on top of that, uh, Trudeau has been very blunt about the Great Reset and how COVID-19 is affording us an opportunity to implement the Great Reset. So I'm just going to read a couple of things from uh, Anthony Fury's uh, article in the Toronto Sun dated today. Um, but the section on supporting Canadians through the pandemic is just one chapter. The following chapter, Building Back Better, a plan to conquer the COVID-19 recession, is of equal length. This statement isn't a guidebook on how to help Canadians get out of this historically unprecedented situation as soon as possible and return to normal, which is likely what regular folks were expecting. Hallelujah. It's very much about what sort of economy the Liberals wish to build out of the ashes of the current one. Folks, this is the part that is worrisome. Um, and so I want to read just one more part from Fury's article here. The following is perhaps the most telling line. When the virus is under control, when the virus is under control and our economy is ready to absorb it, we will deploy a three-year stimulus package to jumpstart our recovery, worth roughly 3 to 4% GDP. Folks, they're going to throw a ton of money at this thing. And they're talking about the Great Reset. And, and to be totally honest, uh, outside of the scary words and, and uh, whatnot that, that uh, people were using with regards to the Great Reset, and we're going to see why that is in a minute here, um, but... The Great Reset has given rise to lots of conspiracy theories. It has made a lot of people nervous. And, uh, and originally you could ignore it. Back when, back when uh, uh, well, June 11th, uh, 2020, I think that's the first time I heard about the Great Reset. Um, and, but nobody really knew much about it. And so... Um, it was almost one of those things where the conspiracy theorists started and most people just dismissed it. Most people I know dismiss the Great Reset. But you start looking into it, and I'm, I've taken you right to Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada. This is pm.gc.ca. This is a readout from June 11th, 2020, released by Prime Minister's Office. This is right on government website, folks. You can look this up. And here's what it says. Let's go through it. Today, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau spoke with His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, and the Commonwealth Group of Permanent Representatives to the United Nations regarding financing for development and the Great Reset Initiative. There it is. Where did the idea of a Great Reset come from? Right there. They've even called it, it's not just a reset. It's a Great Reset. The Great Reset Initiative. The Prime Minister thanked His Royal Highness for initiating the discussion at such a critical time and for championing the Great Reset Initiative, there it is again, to build a better and more sustainable future for all. So this is going to be bigger and better. It always is, isn't it? No one ever says, here's a Great Reset, we're going to tear everything down right to the studs and start from scratch. Because that that's what we all want, right? Like, is there a roof over our head even? Like, this is, no, everything is always bigger and better. Uh, if you read a history book, you'll see why people get a little nervous when they see stuff like this. I continue. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, sorry, it doesn't say Justin. Prime Minister Trudeau highlighted the importance of the Commonwealth as a space for dialogue and collective action on global issues related to sustainable development. 
He addressed the ongoing challenge posed by COVID-19. There's our link there, folks. He addressed the ongoing challenge posed by COVID-19 and the need to build back stronger, more resilient, and greener economies. You want to know why people get super nervous is because not only is it going to be bigger and better, which is always, yeah, sure it is, but then it's starting to get into the how. It's going to build back stronger. Yeah, you said that. More resilient. More resilient, meaning less up and down. Well, how do you have less up and down? Interesting. And greener. Uh-oh, here we go. Greener economies. What does that mean? Well, here in Alberta, that means we're in trouble. That's what that means. The Prime Minister also noted the importance of multi-stakeholder partnerships between governments, the private sector, and civil society in shaping the future global economy in a way that supports social inclusion, fairness, equality, and sustainability. Big pause here because I, this is the Great Reset. This is it right here. Uh, we're going to be doing greener economies, but we're going to do it in such a way that supports social inclusion. Inclusion, we already know what he means by that. Not just not just uh, uh, women, um, but that means all the buzzwords of today. Uh, we are going to have a glow, like this is the part that's just mind-blowing. Canadians are going to start paying for uh, ideal, uh, this utopian society that Prime Minister Trudeau seems to be at the head of, he's all over this, trying to be the uh, the leader of wokeism, and he wants to lead the world, the world, in instituting a global economy that supports social inclusion, fairness, equality, and sustainability. So where people like me get into trouble is that there are utopian uh, ideologues out there that are 100% in support of this. And, and they look at Neanderthals like me and say, uh, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with this is that uh, you can't even, we, we can't even get our own house in order. Like we're, we're $1.4 trillion in debt and we're going to be even more paying for this. And we're going to be pushing social issues on a global scale Social inclusion, except, except of course, for white males, you're out. Or anyone who doesn't think like us, you're out. Fairness, who, who determines fairness? Equality? Do you mean equity or equality? Because leftists, especially the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, always conflates those two words, equality and equity. Um, we know what he means by equality. He just means straight-out equity. And sustainability. Who determines sustainability? These are these are these are the the uh, leftists' buzzwords, and he's used them all right here. Folks, especially those of us in Alberta, we're in trouble. We're in serious trouble. Let's keep reading. Prime Minister, His Royal Highness, and the permanent representatives discussed economic recovery and sustainability initiatives that will support the objectives of the Great Reset. Objectives of the Great Reset. The Prime Minister also underscored Canada's continued commitment to climate action and announced a new $9.5 million contribution to the Climate Finance Access Network. Folks, is there anything outside of Canada that Trudeau won't throw Canadian money at, especially when they are uh, right up his ideological alley. Like, we're swimming in debt, and he's throwing money around. Like, folks, you and I are the ones paying for this. It's pretty sickening. This contribution will help some of the most climate-vulnerable countries, notably Pacific Small Island developing states, to more easily access international climate finance. Somebody smarter than me has to explain to me what 
Pacific small island vulnerable climate vulnerable countries. Does that mean that they truly believe that that uh, these islands are going to be underwater? And what does the nine point five million dollars do for them? I don't understand this. International climate finance. I don't even know what the hell that is. It will complement other recent initiatives supporting partnerships on climate action, including with Caribbean and African states. Isn't it funny? how Trudeau seems to love his third world countries. Loves to throw money at the third world countries. Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, throwing money at third world countries, uh, and when you include things like sustainable, what was the terminology there? Uh, sustainable economic... Um, developing countries uh, that are trying to develop their resources. Uh, from my limited experience, what this means is that countries like Canada pay a lot of money to dictatorships and governments in developing countries in order to keep their people from actually developing uh, their their resources. And, and whether we do that out of some misguided uh, ideological uh, topics such as climate change or not, it's always the people there that suffer the most because of it. And I think it's despicable and I think it's sick. However, we keep reading. The Prime Minister also spoke about the joint initiative he recently launched with the United Nations Secretary General and the Prime Minister of Jamaica to accelerate the global response to the pandemic. This initiative emphasizes the need to improve access to critical development financing, including by low- and middle-income countries to help them recover and build back better, creating more prosperous, resilient, and inclusive economies and societies. Again, a whole lot more buzzwords that Trudeau is going to save the planet. He's going to save Jamaica. He's going to save uh, Africa. And um, he's going to do it by sending a bunch of money over there to dictatorships and then trust that those dictatorships are actually going to spend the money wisely. Um, it's, it's just nonsensical. COVID-19 is a rapidly evolving global challenge. The Government of Canada is working closely with international partners to minimize the economic impact of the virus and to ensure that the global recovery is focused on building back stronger, more sustainable economies. They keep using these buzzwords. So, folks, you see here why people get nervous is when you read something like this, which was all the way back in, in July, or June, sorry, um, there's a whole lot of fluffy language here that, that without specifics and doesn't really say much other than we're going to throw a whole lot of money at uh, greener, greener stuff that may or may not, well, we already know for the most part that we don't have the technology today. So just to come to a better understanding I wanted to look I found this uh, presentation here it's called the Great Reset this is from the Bank of Canada dated August 20th 2020 Victoria Forum 2020 and so what is the Great Reset so Justin Trudeau used that terminology yet we really didn't get any specifics with regards to what that meant so here Paul Baudry deputy governor uh, is is giving this presentation, and it is on specifically about the Great Reset. You want to know what the Great Reset is? Well, here we go. The pandemic, central banks, and climate change. COVID-19 is a shock and an opportunity. Of course it is. Never let any uh, uh, crisis uh, go uh, what, what's that that terminology used? Don't let any crisis go unwasted. You wanna you you wanna use that the opportunities of every crisis to advance your your agendas, right? And this is what's going on here. Here we go. Pivot to a greener, smarter economy? Question mark. Uh huh. Focus here on climate related issues. Our contributions to scenario analysis. To start, how we view climate change risk. So this whole Great Reset is premised upon using COVID-19 as an opportunity to make massive, significant changes to how we live. 
not just in Canada, but globally. Is anyone paying attention yet? Two sets of risks from climate change. This is, uh, I'll just show here for those of you that are following along on Rumble. Physical risks, damage or destruction caused by extreme weather, higher temperatures. So there's a picture of a guy floating uh, in, a, in a dinghy down what looks like a major thoroughfare uh, road. And he's floating along, so lots of rain. That's what's funny, folks, is that uh, though, until recent times, man, there's been no flooding. We've never seen flooding like this anywhere. I mean, hurricanes are new and tornadoes are new and, and, uh, and temperature rises are new. You know, we've never seen these before, which is ridiculous. I'm being facetious, of course. Transition risks, costs involved in the move toward a low-carbon economy. So this is what that whole thing is about, folks. Before I... Before I put the screen back on my ugly mug I want you to look at that picture there for you those of you that can see it costs involved in the move toward a low carbon economy well what kinds of examples do they show in the picture regarding what is considered a low carbon economy we've got tons and tons of solar panels and wind turbines um, this is this is the plan folks and what is so disconcerting is that wind turbines and uh, solar panels have so far proven themselves to be, especially well in northern northern climates. Germany's taken down theirs; they they gave up trying. Uh, Ontario's given up theirs, although it looks like we're going to be right back into it. Alberta uh, has had our fair share of of uh, um, areas that have tried it. Uh, for some strange reason, Fort Mac, just somebody up in Fort Mac just built a great big massive solar uh, solar farm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, not a month ago, uh, Medicine Hat's ripping theirs apart. It, it's proven itself ineffective. And so what are we going to replace these with? Because we've already shown that the wind turbines and, and solar panels do not work. They're not going to sustain what we need, especially in a winter climate. Are you crazy? And But this is the move. This is what we're trying to move towards. Nothing to see here, folks. Let's keep reading. This is uh, slide four. Different roles in facilitating a transition. Okay, so we're going to make a transition, and here's how we're going to do it. Governments. Governments are going to be setting environmental policy. So when they set environmental policy, it is upon the people and all businesses and private sector, public sector, whatever, to abide by those environmental policies. So when they pass laws that that state that uh, you're going to pay for carbon emissions or your carbon emission has to, your footprint has to be at such and such by such and such date, um, this is the sort of thing that governments do. Corporate sector. Uh, you'll notice here it says investing in technology. What you don't see is where it says corporate sector. What's what's their role in facilitating a transition? It should say corporate sector, um, investing in technology and abiding by the environmental policy set by the government. And maybe that's just uh, too easy. Maybe that's obvious. But I'll tell you what, um, corporate sector is going to have to get on board. And that means following the laws set forth by the governments. Households, that's every household, you and me, shifting preferences and behavior. Well, what does that mean? It, it, I, I can only imagine what's coming with regards to how we in our households are going to be allowed to, are we going to be allowed wood-burning stoves? Are, going to, are we going to be allowed uh, you know, anything but high-efficiency furnaces? Now, I own a high-efficiency furnace, but, but so what? Um, I, I don't know what this means, shifting preferences and behavior. It also uh, likely means that you no longer own a gas-burning vehicle like they're pushing in California right now, um, that, that we're all going to be driving electric cars. Uh, I just saw a great meme the other day of an electric car being charged by a diesel-running generator pulled behind a gas-running truck. Like, this is the sort of stupidity that we have going on. Financial sector, financing transition. So this is something that we're already experiencing, folks. 
we're $1.4 trillion in debt and it's going to balloon. It's going to get even worse to the point where uh, we are going to be given a rate of double B and uh, Canada is going to be in all kinds of hurt. You, we haven't seen anything yet. We're in trouble. And the financial sector, Bank of Canada, is going to have to pony up. What does that mean? Print money. What does printing money do? It devalues your currency. What does that do? It raises interest rates. So you think you have a good paying job now. You think that $15 an hour is uh, is is good for a minimum wage? It won't be for long. I don't know how soon it'll be till you can't get a, a, a loaf of bread for 15 bucks. Central banks, of which, of course, the Bank of Canada is one, smoothing the transition to ensure the financial system is up to the challenge. Well, what does that mean? Smoothing the transition to maintain economic activity close to capacity. How do you have any how do you have any role over that? How does the central bank have any role over that? Smoothing the transition to understand the potential economic effects. I don't know how much more like I'm 40 minutes in folks and I don't want to keep going. Maybe I'll do one more slide here. Listen. Uh, Jordan Peterson, I tried to find the I tried to find the link where he says it. And if you watch enough Jordan Peterson, you'll eventually find it. But Jordan Peterson said somewhere that um, it is grossly irresponsible. I think he might have even been talking about Justin Trudeau, for all I know. But he was talking about how grossly irresponsible it is for an ideologue, a utopian fool like Trudeau. Who wants to make massive changes when he doesn't even understand he, he doesn't even understand number one how the system currently works how it currently operates and clearly he hasn't seen what even small changes can do the problem with <laughs> here we are in the year 2020 and we all think that that uh, we're smarter than every previous uh, generation that's come before us that we are bigger better brighter than ever the fact of the matter is, folks, that uh, there's a lot of things we as humanity still are figuring out, and economics is one of them. Economics is a pretty new, uh, a, a pretty new field of study, and we've seen a few theories already that don't work. They're disastrous, and we're still flirting with ideas that have already proven themselves to be disastrous. So Jordan Peterson's point was, is that you don't just start throwing out these massive ideas about massive change you have no idea what that's going to do it's it's just grossly irresponsible and yet this is exactly what's going on these people that are in these high positions think that they know better than everybody else and that they're going to lead society they're going to lead the world into a uh, bright and shiny future chances are much more likely that we're going the opposite direction this is not going to be good. This is slide five, and I think I'll I'll uh, end this part at slide five here. You can you can find this uh, um, anywhere if 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 you punch in. Um, well, I'll go back. Uh, the Great Reset. You can you can find. I found this easy enough. One click, and I found it. It says scenario analysis, a useful tool given uncertainty. So we're already admitting that we're in uncertain times, meaning no one really knows the answer, but we're about to. We're about to uh, play uh, Kingmaker, or, or go we're going to play, be playing God with how we're moving forward. Just grossly irresponsible, but here it goes. Here's what it says. Scenario analysis describes plausible future pathways. Plausible future pathways. Now, we don't know. We're just guessing. But, man, it's going to be great. It is not what will occur, but what could occur. Gee, you think? Useful given the high degree of uncertainty related to climate change policy, technological development, evolving consumer and investor preferences. So we're opening up a scenario analysis, basically saying, here's a variety of things that could occur because we've got a whole lot of uncertainty related to everything that we're actually trying to push. You have to be hubris you have to be some kind of 
egomaniac to think that you can be in control of any of this. It's 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 frightening. And that's where the problems come in. Anyway, uh, we are 45 minutes in. Uh, last story of the day, and this one super annoys me. This one super annoys me. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the clip here for you. This is uh, off of Sportsnet.ca. Football game, and there she is, wearing number 32, her soccer jersey number, and just six days ago was winning an SEC soccer tournament championship in Orange Beach, Alabama. And wouldn't you know it, history is on the field in Columbia, Missouri, as Sarah Fuller is about to put her right foot into a football. Do you listen to the crowd? The crowd was ready for this moment. They were making a big deal out of it, obviously. For those of you that are on audio only, I'll uh, I'll be telling you what happens next. For those of you that are watching on Rumble, you can see it for yourself. Speaking volumes to women around the world. Awesome, awesome moment. You can hear the crowd. Everybody understands what's happening right now. This is a pretty cool moment. Here's the kick. Folks, I don't know if you heard the heard the kickoff, but you're listening to the crowd. The kick happens, and suddenly the crowd noise drops huge. The reason why the crowd noise dropped huge was because this was a kick that went about, I don't even think it went 30 yards. 35 to the 35. What is that? 15, 30. 30 yards. It was a 30-yard kick on a kickoff. Let me let me get this just crystal clear for you, folks. I'm not against women in sport. I uh, am a former hockey coach. I coached women's hockey. Um, big fan of women in sport. I've coached high school football. Bantam in high school football. Uh, one of my favorite players was a young lady that uh, played for us. I, I, I don't remember if she played high school or Bantam. I want to say it was Bantam. And uh, she even played some running back for us. She was one of the... She was one of my favorite players. She was just a go-getter, and I wish every every boy on my team had the heart she did. Worked hard, um, good athlete, and uh, and we put her in a running back at times, and uh, she did a great job until one day that she was she got hurt, she got hit hard, she got hit really hard, broke her leg, and. Uh, and this was before. This was when I was woke. Once, once upon a time, when I was a public school teacher, I was pretty woke. It's a big fan of this young lady playing football, and then she got hurt, and uh, it took me a while to realize what a mistake it was to have women playing against boys. I mean, girls before puberty girls can play with boys and and they're the same in fact biologically women are usually girls are usually physically ahead of the boys so it's not a big deal but once uh once you get into the teen years once puberty hits um it is inappropriate for women to be playing contact sports with uh men and one of the things that just drives me crazy is my wife and I were sitting in uh, a local watering hole when this story was was uh, breaking, and I was disgusted at the amount. This is obviously nothing short of a publicity stunt by Vanderbilt, who is an absolutely atrocious uh, NCAA football program. At least this year, they lost this game particularly. They lost this game forty-one nothing. Um, and and here they are celebrating a woman, first woman. Yay, we're breaking glass ceilings everywhere, aren't we? No, you're not. What you've done is you set women's sports back 10 years at least. This is a joke. 
This is an absolute joke. Sarah Fuller has been made a joke, and I feel sorry for Sarah Fuller being talked into this idea that this is somehow a good idea. Here's Sarah Fuller, Fuller in, uh, this is off of CBS Sports. You can see, I'm not going to play it, play the interview. I just find the interview so frustrating, but they've, they've pulled a, off, off of a tweet. I just want to tell all the girls out there that you can do anything that you set your mind to, Sarah Fuller. Well, number one, Sarah, is you're not telling us anything different that hasn't been been rammed down the throats of girls for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 decades. Like, this isn't new. What is new is the sick, pathetic um, uh, publicity stunts in order to break glass ceilings that aren't there and, and have you be the poster child for it. It is... It is absolutely uh, disgusting, folks. I'm 47 years old. I can kick if I can kick on a kickoff. I can kick it further than that. And then what's funny was the Hodge twins. I don't know if any of you uh, are aware of the Hodge twins, but they did a video on this earlier, which I I can't promote enough. They they, they ranted and raved about it for about I don't know 12 minutes, but they even laughed, pointing out she kicked the ball and then immediately ran straight for the sidelines. For those of you that don't know football, the kicker, number one, is supposed to get the football as far down the field as they can to get to make the other team be in the worst field position they can. So a 35-yard to a 35-yard, that's horrible. That is absolutely a horrible, horrible kick. It wasn't even... It was, it was horrible. Okay? Second... <clears throat> Kickers are known as the last line of defense. So on a kickoff or a punt, when it's kicked to the other team and they start bringing it back, the kicker is the last line of defense. The kicker's job is to tackle the guy with the football if they get by everybody else. Now, everybody knows that when you watch a kicker do this, I don't care if you're male or female, kickers generally aren't known for their athleticism. They're good at kicking the ball. That's what they're there for. They kick the ball. When they try to do anything other than kick the ball, they usually embarrass themselves. But what they're not supposed to do is kick the ball and then run immediately off the field uh, so as to not get into contact. This woman didn't break any, any, any glass ceilings. This is atrocious. I cannot believe that people are falling all over themselves in order to celebrate this this is a mockery it's an absolute mockery and i'll bet you guys like tim and sid and all these other talking heads across the board will say nothing negative about it because they value their jobs and that they don't want to uh upset uh the the snowflake leftists and feminists that that i mean you know who's the only people that are celebrating this truly truly celebrating it are feminists and beta males that don't watch football. That's who's celebrating this. Any woman who's honest, who is is honest with herself, watches that and, and cringes. Honestly. Like, I'm sorry. I, I'm thinking of a, a person like Haley Wickenheiser. Now, listen, I, here's a comparison for you, okay? I, I'm all for women in sport. I really am. Haley Wickenheiser, one of the, some might argue, the best woman hockey player ever. Some might say that. She was good. Not just good for a woman, she was good. She played professional hockey. Who did she play for? The Edmonton Oilers? The Calgary Flames? Did she play in the AHL, which is a step down? Well, the KHL. Did she go to the K? I'm not sure the KHL was around when she was playing. Did she go to the KHL? Nope. Did she go to the AHL, the farm system for the NHL? No. Well, who did she play for? This hell of a hockey player played for in 2002, 2003, and 2003 to 2004. She played for Salamat. Just so you know who Salamat is, I pulled it up here. You can look at it here. Salamat. You see this over here? I don't know if you can see it where I'm pointing. Division 3. 
Folks, she was playing Div 3 in Finland. Um, I, I don't have an equivalent for that. Uh, it's better than I can play. I don't think I can play Div 3. But it's Div 3 in Finland. Did she tear up the league? Man, she must have been awesome. Div 3 in Finland? She must have been great. Well, folks, I'm not saying this to begrudge Haley Wickenheiser. Like I said, she was a good hockey player. Her stats. Salamat in 2002-2003. She played 12 games. She scored one goal, three assists for four points. One goal in 12 games. In 2003-2004, she played 10 games. Zero goals, zero assists, zero points. And she's a good hockey player. Um, why do I bring up hockey? Well, hockey is a contact sport. Football is a contact sport. Um, there's a reason why... A, there's a reason why Haley Wickenheiser went to Finland. European hockey is a much bigger ice surface. Um, the hitting, there's far less hitting in it. And um, the chances of Haley getting hurt in the Finnish league especially in Div 3, is a lot less than it would have been her playing on uh, North American ice against men uh, even in the AHL. I wouldn't even put her in the ECHL. Um, she wouldn't have done what she would have got hurt, right? And that's the idea. 2008-2009, she played in uh, Sweden. I wanted to pull up uh, what that was. Here's the Swedish team she played for, or Hockey Aten. What is hockey at 10? Uh, basically, it's Div 3. Um, Div 3 hockey in Sweden. How does she do? Again, let's have a look. 21 games. Well, it says Div 1 there. But Linden Hockey, when I looked, so it might Linden Hockey might have more than one division. Uh, but from what I could see is that this is essentially, this isn't the SHL. The SHL is the Div 1. Linden Hockey is Div 3, and maybe this is Division 1 of Div 3 Hockey. 21 games played, 1 goal, 2 assists, 3 points. Um, and I consider Haley Wickenheiser a, a legitimate. Like, this was a legitimate woman playing legitimate professional hockey. Now, granted, it's Div 3 in Finland and Div 3 in Sweden, but, but good for her. Like, I don't begrudge her anything. Good honor. But let's not... <laughs> I, I, I just can't believe the hubbub of this poor girl going out, making a squib kick, and calling this a glass breaker. It's just sick. Um, you want to see somebody who is... Uh, he, here's somebody that, that I feel had... And someone, some called the Tampa Bay Lightning back when they did this 30 years ago um, as a publicity stunt as well. But you know what's believable? Manon Rayom was actually a, a decent goalie. Also, Manon Rayom isn't in a position at the NHL level where she is going to get hurt. She might get hurt by the puck, but, I mean, your job is to stop the puck. Uh, men goalies get hurt stopping the puck, right? So... Um, but she's not going to get creamed in the corner. She's not going to get uh, uh, railroaded on the blue line. Um, she's not going to get hurt. If she was playing out, she would be destroyed. Which is why women don't play contact sports against men in professional leagues. Nor should they. It's inappropriate. You're asking people to get hurt. And anyway, long and the short is, shame on Vanderbilt. I think you've taken advantage of Sarah Fuller. Um, this is a joke. You've made her a joke. Talking heads like me that that don't have uh, uh, people behind me saying you you uh, your job depends upon you celebrating this farce, and it is a farce. It's an absolute joke. This poor girl, Sarah Fuller, had on the back of her helmet, "Play like a girl." Well, you kick like a girl, Sarah. That's pathetic and you've been taking advantage taken advantage of that's all i have for today 
uh, leave it on that note. Uh, tune in on Sunday. Hopefully I can get uh, the show done by Sunday uh, as uh, on Thy Kingdom Come on the All Things Alberta Network where we'll be going through, again, we're picking up the book of James, going through it, um, looking at testing part two. Thanks for tuning in, guys, we'll, uh, guys and gals, and uh, wherever you are from, uh, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.